0: of the things to be The pains that are withheld for me Borag thong earthlets My name is Conrad alongside my friend Fox and this is the 50th episode of Space Spinner 2000 Oh my god You know
1: you're 50 when you now have more hair on your knuckles than you do on your head and you have to use a GPS to locate your feet because you can't see over your belly
0: Whoa <laughs> Anyhow, it's a podcast where two Americans (laughs) try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're taking a break from the weekly progs, however, and venturing into the uncharted waters of special editions. In this case, it's okay. We have the uh, 1980 (laughs) sci-fi special. Like the previous uh, sci-fi specials, this issue features thrills by different creative teams as well as classic stories from the IPC Fleetway Archives. Um, I'd say there's a lot of like first trials by creative folks here, and we have the debuts of a pair of comic book heavy hitters as well, starting with... Thrill 1, Judge Dread. Uh, script robot is Alan Grant, art robot Steve Dillon, lettering robot is Tom Frame. Tom Frame! Where are my frames at? Always. So last episode, I, I, I got so caught up in Alan Moore showing up on the podcast here that I forgot about Steve Dillon, who's also, this is his first work in 2000 AD, that, that we're seeing at least. Yeah, it looks uh, good. Yeah, he started in doing uh, UK Incredible Hulk comics and then shows. and then, yeah and then he's going to continue on as a uh, 2000 AD artist but he's probably best known for most comic book fans as the principal artist for the uh, preacher comics which are now you know hit tv show along with writer and 2000 AD alum Garth, In- Garth Ennis
1: I, I like that show I mean yeah. not to get too off topic it's it's not too bad I hadn't like read the comic book but I enjoyed comics the show Comics are real
0: good for sure uh, I love his art style and out of the box he draws a pretty good uh, Dr- Judge Dredd story. So a director calls Rolum, and it appears that a cut that a cult has uh, sprung up around Mega City 1 like basically based on these giant statues of Fergie the King of the Big Smelly that have all sort of you know all these statues have been built sort of in the aftermath of the Judge Cal uh, s- s- situation and Now, and now people are worshipping them.
1: And apparently they're fucking everywhere. Yeah. it's not just one.
0: No, it seems like every sector has a Fergie statue, basically.
1: I mean, uh, he was a fine character. I mean, <laughs> erecting that many statues, it's like, all
0: right. I mean, He's a hero of, like, uh, the near destruction of the city. You know, everybody almost died during that Judge Cow thing.
1: I mean, but that was mostly dread. I mean, whatever. Splitting hairs. There's a weird cult.
0: Yeah, so... <laughs> um, Judge Dredden and and female judge Cray look on. They're disapproving, but they don't really have a reason to interfere, at least until the cults pull out a dude in chains and prepare to execute him.
1: I mean, like with a bat too. It totally, would be pretty brutal.
0: It's true. So, Dread and Cray try to break it up and arrest the priest, as um, the natives become restless. When the Fergie statue comes alive! Oh my God!
1: And the cult leader gets pistol whipped. That was my favorite part. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> so, after dodging its club, uh, Dread takes down the statue with high explosive rounds. And as judge squads converge, word of more Fer- Fergie statues coming alive comes in. <laughs> Exactly, they're they're rampaging around, squashing judges and tossing around cultists, but Dredd has an idea. He grabs one of the massive flies that hover around the head of all these Fergies, and then after Cray uh, takes down the Ferg, he inspects the fly, discovering that it's actually a flying TV camera.
1: Weird, I guess, but I mean, kind of predictable.
0: They backtrace the signal. To the Cecil B. DeMille block, and Dred and Cray fly over, dodging giant baseball bats as they go. Which is
1: kind of cool. A giant baseball bat smashes the plane that they're in.
0: Yeah, they have to, like, r- rappel into the side of the building, basically. Oh, that's awesome. They find themselves in the apartment of Oscar Wiener, a film director that's gone insane and been locked away. In a Dude, film the in-
1: <laughs> film on the canister that they're holding says, The Beasts That Ate the Beasts That Ate Mars. Exactly. <laughs> that's a movie I want to
0: see. <laughs> Inside a film room, they find a, dir- a movie robot. He's oh my been... god! And probably making genius films, because mm-hmm. he's
1: way better than people.
0: I mean, you know, he's got his own technical abilities, for sure. He's been making a movie out of the chaos caused by the giant Fergie bots to fulfill the mad programming that Wiener gave him. The Dude. judges arrest the robot, and they burn his film because crime doesn't pay in Mega City 1.
1: I mean, you know, I'm just surprised they're still using film.
0: I mean, it's it's definitely one of those um, like not seeing enough of the future kind of things. Just like the the gold bars and all the banks and stainless steel rat or something like <laughs> that, you know.
1: That is awesome, though.
0: Where it's like, okay, like I don't know if we thought the whole future far enough. But I think it's fine. It's like you know, it it, it makes it fun, right?
1: <laughs> I always thought that uh, the gold that stainless steel rat was uh, like gold plated latinum.
0: Oh, could be Star Trek reference. Ah, oh, shit. Get out of here. Although it leads (laughs) us nicely to the opposite of Star Trek with (laughs) Thrill 2, Tharg meets Harry Harrison and the Empire Strikes Back.
1: I do like that the newspaper is called South Galaxy Echo.
0: (laughs) Yes, there's a big section about the stainless steel rat and Rick Random author Harry Harrison, including there's like a newspaper story about alien fans rioting in an alien sci-fi convention. (laughs) There is, it's pretty funny, like, Thar, yeah, Tharg comments on the diplomatic situation and stuff.
1: Yeah, he blames, like, a whole race of people.
0: Yeah, they are too excitable. Uh, there's a <laughs> there's a breakdown of Harry Harrison's novels and other work, especially The Stainless Steel Rat, but also Build the Galactic Hero and other works. I'll mention that my favorite Harry Harrison book is this series called Hammer and Cross, but it hadn't been written at the time of this publication.
1: So you um, said, he did Rick Random?
0: Yeah, like back in the 60s. God. But that feels I mean, like that, that 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 feels like side work that he did. You know, I don't I don't think it's anything yeah. that really goes on his big resume, you know, it's more sort of like if you look on his IMDb page, it kind of says like assorted Rick random stories or something like that.
1: He's basically attributed to Soylent Green also, right?
0: Yeah, 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 he create, he wrote the story that's that's that uh that Soylent Green's based on.
1: It's people, damn it. It's delicious, t- people.
0: Ah, oh, spoilers, bro. But <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> There's also a poem called "The Ode to the Stainless Steel Rat." It starts, uh, "A special core agent is something unique, a cunning a, as cunning and quick as a cat. But what, but the one you would call the most cunning of all is known as the Stainless Steel Rat." <laughs>
1: it's all right, prose. Uh, yeah. I give it like... A six out of ten because i mean you you've got fairly confined material but mm-hmm. you
0: know it's although dude it's not it's not prose it's specifically poetry get out of well, here poetry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's after this there's a double page spread on the forthcoming star wars sequel the empire strikes back what a hot spread. Mm-hmm. Unlike the one of these for the first Star Wars movies back <laughs> in the first sci-fi special, um, all the characters are correctly named, though they do credit uh, David Prowse of the Green Cross Code as Darth Vader with no mention of James Earl Jones.
1: It's like 80% accurate <laughs> from like...
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, there's well, there's also a lot of like, weird stuff. They talk a lot about um, Boba Fett taking, like, Wookiee hides or Wookiee scalps or something.
1: Yeah, it's really fucking weird.
0: And they kind of misname, like, Stormtroopers as Strike Troopers or something. You know, it's just a lot of, like, well, sort of, we're they, figuring out how Star Wars works, you know?
1: Right. Well, they said Boba Fett is rumored to be the last remnant of the old Imperial Shock Troopers. Oh, that's right. Uh, ex- excuse me, he's uh, a Mandalorian, right?
0: Well, he's, he's also the last of the clone troopers, dude. I mean, canon. The, the last of the clones God. from the, you know, second prequel movie or whatever. Oh, I don't know if he's yeah. the last. Whatever. He's I don't know. I don't want to get into it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> instead, let's go to Thrill 3, Rojas' Robo Tales.
1: I gotta say, this one was uh, particularly enjoyed by me yeah, it's for good. reasons that are definitely not because of the ending.
0: <laughs> uh, so this is uh, the Robot Revolution, script robot Gary Rice, art robot Trevor Goring, lettering robot the Aldrich Mark II. And yeah, this is a pretty fun story. It's like a bunch of robots. They're oppressed by their human masters, as always, so they're fomenting revolution. There's a meeting of all the robot leaders, and it's about to conclude when one of the robot leaders reveals himself as a human law enforcement agent, and he arrests the others, but then all the robot leaders reveal themselves as human undercover agents? But if they're all humans, what are the real robots doing?
1: Dude, and then some sweet robots roll up in robot tanks, and they fucking blow up the building. It's great. I mean, definitely (laughs) terrible.
0: The robot revolution is on. Robots rule, okay? (laughs) exactly yeah i like this a lot this is sort of a robot version of that classic story uh a man called thursday where there's a there's a big like you know rebellion thing and then all the guys are revealed to be cops and stuff also a a get smart episode but probably no one remembers that one but me
1: (laughs) yeah i never watched get smart i'm sorry bro
0: (laughs) don't worry about it dude sometimes they're just for me i guess um anyhow <laughs> Speaking of um having fun reminiscing about the past, Fox. Oh. Let's go to Thrill for A Holiday in Hell. Ah, uh, the holidays.
1: And how <laughs> might we spend it in the far future?
0: Well, first let me say the script robot's Alan Moore, Art Robot Dave oh, Harwood, right. lettering robot Tom Frame. So yeah, so this is comment. Uh, comics legend Alan Moore arriving on the podcast. It's pretty exciting. He's going to do a, a bunch of future shocks um, and other sort of one-off stories for a couple years before eventually writing some extremely excellent extended stories, including, like, the immortal Halo Jones and my favorite, Abelard Snaz. Anyhow.
1: So, I mean, if it if his future shocks are anything like this, uh, mm. I'm pretty excited because it's Yeah,
0: this orange. is really... This is really the height, uh, or this is like sort of this, um, a really, like, it's now more at the height, of, or at the, at the start of his powers, I guess. <laughs> he'll be he'll be writing in this sort of early 80s time. This is the same time he's work, also working on the monthly comic Warrior and doing like a V for Vendetta and stuff like that. Oh, um, cool. And then he'll sort of leave to then go, come to America to do like Watchmen and all those things. Um, anyhow. The planet Mars has been turned into murder world, where you can dress up like a murderer and mow down human like human like androids for fun. Which I <laughs> we uh, have feelings about. It's true, yeah. We we meet up with George and Gabrielle, they're visiting, and they're dressing up like a, a Nazi stormtrooper and Lizzie <laughs> Borden respectively.
1: Which, I mean, says something about both of their repressed feelings that mm-hmm. I don't really want to
0: think about. I mean, the whole thing's like really messed up because these androids clearly have like emotions. They scream and clearly feel pain as these tourists, all dressed like history's greatest monsters, do terrible acts of violence to them.
1: Well, there's like this one scene where dude in the Nazi outfit like kicks open a door and is shooting it at the same time while an android is hiding behind a chair. trying. Yeah,
0: there's just like street corners full of like Nazis and KKK dudes and God knows what else like just killing human just killing like androids like crazy
1: it's really horrible
0: so after two weeks of this wanton slaughter Gabrielle and George head home on the final day George says he killed 20 droids Gabrielle says she only killed one but it was a special one which what? the couple heads home they show slides of their murder spree and all is well until May 23rd when Gabrielle murders George with an axe and heads to the murder world offices it's and the, they're like,
1: oh, welcome back. Like, yeah. you want to go on another
0: trip? Well, we're, we're just having a party because it's the 10th anniversary of our company Ventura Victimatics starting. And, hey, there's just yeah. a, a whole bunch of people here to celebrate. Or at least, they look like people. But they're actually, <laughs> they're all victim robots that have replaced human guests that smuggled themselves back to Earth. And now it's time for revenge. Oh, baby, baby, baby. <laughs> Look outside and see how he- hundreds of robots are now slaughtering people in the streets. It's time for Earth's own holiday in hell.
1: It's pretty gross.
0: It's and- <laughs> <laughs> a double dude. air horn because that's a good twist, buddy. <laughs> I dude, I it was uh, fucked up. <laughs> well it's yeah it did a really I, I thought this story did a really good job of both showing you how like monstrous these humans are so that then when it's clear that now the robot apocalypse is starting you're kind of like i ah, they they kind of had it coming like i'm okay with this you know Dude,
1: this, yeah exactly i mean it has nothing to do with any past associations with us rooting for robots or anything like that so
0: i mean just the general space spinner 2000 policy of rooting against humans wherever possible <laughs> like we rooted for I, both. We, we rooted for Shaco and the Ants, dude. That's all I'm saying. That's pretty true. Shaco <laughs> was
1: great. Um, this was an actual twist. Did yeah. You notice. Did you notice how this was a twist.
0: Dou- yeah, it wasn't just a punchline. So I, I, yeah, it was good.
1: Yeah. Good great debut. Job.
0: Good debut by both of our new uh, future superstars. <laughs> clap. Oh yes. So let's go to. Or no, sorry. Speaking of killer robots, <laughs> let's go to Thrill 6, Roja's Robo The Wanderer. So this one is uh, script robots, Kev Sutherland, art robots, Steve Kite. Uh, this one's a, a pretty quick story. A robot just starts chugging across the countryside. It's going in a completely straight line. It won't stop for anybody. It goes all the way around the world, even underwater. It's only as it returns to where it started that we learn the truth about this robot. It's actually just the handle of a giant knife that's just chopped the world in half because an beep. alien spaceship is so big it can't turn.
1: Beep, beep, beep! Beep, beep, beep! <laughs> uh coolest robot ever to be honest
0: i love this robot because it's just like it's just like this big black robot that just kind of walks around everybody keeps trying to talk to it and reason to it they're like oh we're this it's coming right toward us and we're the smartest people on earth obviously wants to talk to us and just barrels right through them
1: just cutting a big old line to the planet. Yeah. Then it's
0: once it finally gets to the end they start to see suddenly this line form, which means that I guess the knife it was using was one of those uh movie samurai katanas where you can be cut by it and then like go home and like take a nap and then suddenly you realize you've been cut in half, you know, which is my <laughs> is my favorite thing. You know what I'm saying?
1: just like have some coffee like kiss the kids goodnight, and then be like oh it's only when it's
0: it's only when the coffee starts to dribble out of the uh, giant um, slices that have been made in you that you realize you've been sliced into several pieces
1: (laughs) that's that's great that's
0: perfect i love movies dude okay (laughs) hey speaking of uh popular movies fox let's go to thrill seven strontium dog
1: it was a good movie.
0: Well, th- I mean, it's a this is like a, a pro story with a few comic panels, and it's basically the Strontium Dog version of Apocalypse Now. Like, straight up, you know, because it's, it's Johnny and Wolf as they're pursuing a guy named Curtis through a jungle war zone in a series of vehicles, including boats and things like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I re- that's... Yeah, go ahead. No, oh, I was going to say that's, like, the best you could... I, I just... I had to read this, and I was excited, <laughs> and then... Simultaneously,
0: like, eh. That was pretty good. There's a like they go through a bunch of firefights and trade mm-hmm. through a couple vehicles and stuff. Uh, t- time weaponry is used, like time bombs yep. and a and a time drogue, which will bring someone back to life av- after you've killed them, so you can interrogate them and stuff.
1: Well, I yeah. actually I liked the thing that. Um wolf used like really early on which was like this disc that he threw that if like you're shooting a laser-like weapon all of the lasers will divert oh and, yeah yeah, and yeah. yeah it'll explode.
0: yeah that's a good one too yeah there's a bunch of good you know man these strontium dogs got good gadgets man i love yeah. it <laughs> like murder gadgets they don't give a fuck well i mean you know they're bounty hunters dude they gotta take you dead or alive um uh- <laughs> They're going to get paid either way. Exactly. Uh oh, yeah. so and in fact g- gadgets come up at the end when it looks like Curtis is able to escape but then Johnny is able to blow him up with a secret remote detonated bomb. Oh yeah.
1: Which pretty great cuz his ship don't explode with him on it.
0: Yeah, definitely take him down. Yeah. But yeah, fun story, you know. Obviously, I think we're both really on the record as saying that we're dumb Americans who hate words and love comics and, and love pictures. But, um, it's know, just if was... I'm going to
1: read a book, I'm cracking a book open. If I'm opening up a comic book, uh, I'm not there to read like,
0: <laughs> paragraphs. But I think this was, I don't know. This was okay, and I could definitely see if I'm a kid who got this uh, sci-fi special like on the summer, and it's the only thing I've taken with me to read on a summer break. This uh, longer, like work, this longer work is something that I can read like during the day. Once I've read all the comics and stuff, it's uh, it's a little bit more meaty in the reading uh, sure. uh, palette. You know what I mean? It
1: it did not upset me as to its presence, which can happen. With
0: these In, things, indeed. So let's go to our next story uh, thrill eight. What happened to Colony nine? I really like this one. The script robot and art robot is Floyd Hughes, and the letter robot's Peter Knight. So this story is very aliens to me, Fox.
1: Yeah, um, I, I mean. Alien came out what like 1979 I want yeah, to
0: say. But but Aliens doesn't come out till like 86. So this kind of predates Aliens. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so it's basically a bunch of like space marine type guys drop on a colony that no one's heard from f- from a while. They find all the colonists dead, their brains eaten and their eyes glowing with unearthly light. It's they fucking
1: I yeah. like I can't I can't describe this enough like what uh, what Floyd Hughes does with his art is f- amazing. It's very Mike Dory esque, but yeah. it has its a completely different feel. Like every yeah. panel is completely black with etches of white. It's, it's plus, definitely
0: like it's a, yeah, awesome. it's a very, like, black art style that really, um really adds to this sort of, you know, this sort of sci-fi horror story of just making mm-hmm. it have a really dark black and white palette to sort of put these monsters on. So it makes, like, the fact that the big light we see are, like, the glowing eyes of the victims and stuff really stand out. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, so they, please continue. Oh, no, no. Go, I mean, please. um they So... In another sort of aliens thing, they find one survivor in, in like a uh, in like a, an, an air vent or something, who yep. e- explains that he and his dad were dissecting an alien, and they were covered in weird spores that turned his father into a crazy monster that's killed everybody. Basically,
1: yeah.
0: um, at this and point, and then you see the dad. Yeah, he's all like weird and gross, basically. <laughs> The team sort of fires oh, yes. all their weapons at him, and it's only the lat, like a like a plasma shot straight to his brain, that manages to take him down. Um, and you know, all's well that ends well to an extent, I guess. We've defeated all these monsters, um,
1: but unlike aliens, Newt turns into a gross ass
0: monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, you know, it, it's a fun story, man. It's got all these dead um monster guys. I like it. <laughs>
1: I dude, this is uh, this comic very specifically was fucking. It's my favorite. I'm not even gonna lie to you right now. Just the way it's drawn, like the intensity of it. It's super gruesome. Mm-hmm. Like when they draw the dad finally showing up as the alien, like his mouth is like filled with blood.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, it's cool. <laughs> uh,
1: it's really hard to describe the look of this comic. You should check it out. It's bizarre and awesome.
0: (laughs) I should also mention that after they defeat the father, all's well that ends well until suddenly it turns out that the kid's going to turn into a crazy monster killer guy too. Aw, jeez. Fuck. Exactly. Also, at the end of this story, there's an ad for 2000 AD where a kid is sad reading some other comic, and then he gets glad and eventually turns into a judge while reading 2000 AD.
1: Did you see what the comic was when he was sad? It's called Art Weekly. <laughs> that's a good
0: trade. That's a good trade magazine for people dying horribly. I guess. <laughs> oh my
1: god! It's actually great. So it's basically uh, the Darwin
0: Awards done comic. Exactly. It's just all the people that said arg in the last week. You know. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> hey, let's go. Okay, so Fox. I know you're hungry for information. So let's go to Thrill Nine. <laughs> Judge Dread data file. Rojaw's book reviews. Ah, oh, book reviews. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, just some quick like. A, there's one page that that's just a quick filler page of, Dread, of Judge Dread facts, and then there's a larger section of book reviews, um, including in the books. There's a book adaption of Meteor, which gets a three out of ten, and the sweet burn of Meaty Boar, of or I would have said Meta Snore as well. That's pretty good too. Um, oh my God! <laughs> there's a That's There's a great. There's a Roger selazny book that gets an eight out of ten, which I always appreciate. Biggest okay, fan. Okay, so
1: I actually want to read To Die in Ittelbar because of that. Like, yeah. it sounds awesome.
0: So, Lassie's real good, dude. I mean, you know, I don't think that one is, as, you know, it, it, it doesn't have the fame of his, like, amber Decology, but it's, I'm, I am I remember it being decent. There's also right. a book of uh, Spider-Man puzzles that like gets a <laughs> 2 out of 10. And, like, I feel like it's just the youth readers at the bottom end of the age spec of 2000 AD that keeps getting these random superhero puzzle books reviewed for this feature it's such a weird choice
1: i know i love it because it's like there's there's some like science factual books there's some interesting sci-fi literature and then fucking spidey sense puzzles and rojah's like this is fucking horseradish man this is garbage
0: like honestly i'd be interested in a highly rated superhero puzzle book like i can sort of assume they're all going to be two out of ten honestly
1: spider-man themed sudoku
0: hey man you know that's where you get situations like lex Luthor stealing 49 pies and that's terrible uh, oh anyhow. gosh <laughs> <laughs> was it or was it cakes i don't know whatever but, but speaking of stealing into things fox oh. let's do thrill 10 the steel claw this was dumb and weird. This is the one uh, legacy comic in this issue, I believe. Oh, how how could you tell? <laughs> exactly. Well, one Fuck there's no out. one there's it's no the credit page. Giant walking eye. I like that eye, dude. <laughs> it's so dumb.
1: I mean, as, aesthetically, like as somebody who likes uh, like 1950s Americana crap, like mm-hmm. that's it's awesome because it's a remnant of that, but it's yeah.
0: a giant fucking eye. Yeah. So like so it. let's. So, uh, meet Lewis Crandall. He's a smooth secret agent man. He's got a metal right hand that's got a bunch of gadgets in it. And when it's electrified, it turns him invisible. He can also...
1: Like, what? Like, when that happened... It's like, a, it's like not explained up until the point that it happens. And I'm like, I, oh, he's man, He invents powers.
0: I got to say, the thing that I love about this Steel Claw thing is that it, there's no origin story for it or anything like that. It's just like, here we go. Here's this guy. We're starting on. Yeah, we're starting on episode 30. Who gives a shit? Uh i mean they did that with the fucking
1: phantom patrol and that was their coolest no no that's not
0: true they gave us the first issue of phantom patrol in the first uh 2080 annual we saw them go from um the battlefields of world war ii into the past and stuff
1: is that the one where they blowtorch the roman no that's the uh, second one (laughs) okay that's the one i liked yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you you know, this was like, an ep, you know, this is a good retrospective for episode 50, because that was like episode six. You know? <laughs> yeah. Go back, episode six.
1: go back to episode six and correct me on my mistake on all of our social media platforms. That's Twitter, Facebook, uh, and Cranline.com. Instagram. Instagram. Yeah.
0: Hey, we got I it also, right. Get out know, of here, whatever. buddy. <laughs> I don't mess up.
1: Go there, go there and correct the shit out of me. Tell me I'm wrong
0: oh my gosh what are you doing to me fox you don't even deal with those things anyhow <laughs> <laughs> any- anyhow crandall gets a uh gets a phone call on the f- on the on the phone in his pinky finger and he heads out to his next mission there's a giant furry spider monster off the coast of orkney and it's blown up houses and there <laughs>
1: it's weird and then they're like how do we deal with this oh i've got an idea don't worry i'm a general we have nuclear bullets
0: well yeah they got they got there's a bunch of like howitzers and stuff and they've been shelling the monster no to no effect when crandall shows up he arrives with a bunch of nuclear shells for the artillery for the howitzers to fire um at which point they have they also have no effect the monster zaps the artillery guns killing just like destroying them and killing most of the troops
1: But don't worry, the two guys, the General and Mystery Man, survive.
0: But, oh, look,
1: the eye can totally see you because it's got cheat powers.
0: Yeah, it addresses them. It says, like, it is a scout from the planet Ka-Magnon. Surrender or be destroyed.
1: Its eyeball also has, like, veins in it, man. It's all eyeball-y.
0: Crazy vein eyeball spider monster. So... This sends Crandall into action. He runs back to the artillery battery trucks and electrocutes himself with thousands <laughs> of volts of, of electricity, which turns him invisible except for his steel claw, and that allows him to infiltrate in close to the monster because it only has visual sensors because of its giant eye. You know, it doesn't have any ear things or radars or whatever.
1: I I'm just saying, like this is a massive oversight.
0: <laughs> hey, man, it's got that big eye, so. Whatever. I, yeah. Okay. When he gets there, he's um. When, when he gets close enough to the monster, he realizes that it's actually a vehicle, um, with a rope ladder that leads up into the belly of the beast, which is actually a big cockpit for it's six or so weird aliens. aliens. Yeah. <laughs> so, Crandall fires his middle his uh, middle finger, which is full of nerve gas, <laughs> but it has no effect. <laughs> and Go then to like sleep, fuckers. <laughs> No, it's nerve gas. It's like burn, you know? Oh, God,
1: that's... Yeah, they don't have nerves.
0: But that that doesn't work. Um, then he, like, knocks something over, so they notice him. He starts f- using his index finger, which is a gun, which just, you know, shoots <laughs> at him. The bullets have no effect, but he's still invisible. Some guy tackles him, and so he, fall- he ends up falling and tripping and lands on a control panel that he just kind of, as he falls, he just hits a ton of levers and gizmos and switches and stuff. And That sends the ship flying out of control. <laughs>
1: This, this is why, like, listen out there, aliens who are like, oh, we're going to do the whole flying saucer thing because we're retro and we think we're cool. Mm-hmm. Don't fill it up with fucking buttons.
0: Yeah, like, I mean. Things.
1: We made iPhones, for Christ's sake, and that thing has, like, four on it. I think you can get away with, like, a small control panel and not, like, this massive sphere of buttons. You're
0: definitely not going to want to have important controls just hanging out In, like, a wall in the middle of the thing where someone's going to just trip into it, you know? Um, And, and
1: like, flipping five switches is going to fuck everything up. Yeah,
0: have some locks on those switches, dude. Like, whatever. Uh, Anyhow, as this is also happening, Crandall discharges the rest of the electricity in his his steel claw into the ship, which also kind of messes things up. And the ship crashes, killing everyone inside, except for Crandall, who's flown, who's thrown free.
1: And he's fine because of reasons, but we'll just say it's the claw.
0: Mm-hmm. The, uh, the Cog Magnet invasion ship, or invasion fleet, decides not to attack Earth, and the man with the steel claw has once again saved the Earth.
1: I mean, I didn't know he saved it before. He saved it this time. I'm going to say he saved it one time. This was a weird comic. I didn't like it.
0: I still oh, wanna know what his I wanna know what his ring finger and his thumb do, that's my question.
1: <laughs> well the thumb gives like the most ultimate No, it's a charisma booster. So when he uses it like on a lady or on a guy, he super convinces them of something. So does he have like, to hold hey. his
0: thumb up in between himself and like the and the other person?
1: Yeah, it's it's like a target. That's wah, fair. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Excellent. I don't know what the pinky does. Maybe it's
0: sexual. No, No, the pinky is the phone. He can talk. He can call people using the pinky. So it's 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 ring finger. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. Okay.
1: You know what? That's the one that's afraid of commitments.
0: So that's the one that
1: actually—that's the one that
0: keeps him as a lone wolf. Nice. Hey, speaking of mysteries, though, Fox. uh, Oh God. Thrill eleven puzzle pieces or puzzle pages. This this sucks. So this is just a bunch of like different activity pages here. There's a memory puzzle from that like big um, montage fo- picture of Dan Dare regaining his memory. That's like, remember what images you saw in this photo and stuff. Uh, or yeah, a picture, I'm not going to remember
1: any of those. <laughs> it asked a bunch of dumb questions. All yeah. I want to know is, yeah. who is the weird giant gorilla face with the helmet on it?
0: Uh, don't ask me about Dan Dare trivia, dude. I'm just some guy. <laughs>
1: it's like that was the coolest one other than the the fact that they're like hey one of the heads belongs to a villain known as the star slayer how would you recognize him I don't know maybe the fucking star helmet
0: (laughs) anyhow (laughs) um so awesome totally oh dude yeah there's so there's another trivia chain word there's a spot the difference picture of dread punching fergie there's a bunch of ads that also including like regular 2000 ad ads which feature um and and includes the fact that that there's a September issue coming up that's gonna have a sweet judge badge and a, and uh, the forthcoming Dread in 2080 annuals. The 2080 annual is kind of mad, but I'm really stoked for the Dread annual.
1: All right, I and mean that, I'm stoked just because of reason, you
0: know. Mm-hmm. And that takes us to oh well, I guess you know Tharg's telling us all this stuff. And speaking of Tharg, that takes us to Thrill Twelve: The Final Secret. Oh, my God. <laughs> Alan Grant writing, Robin Smith art, art robot, Letter robot, Tom Frame. So, Tharg finally gives the secret as to what makes him so mighty. But, you know, because he's, that, he's, an, he's the ultimate showman, he's got to do it as a series of questions. So, what is that makes him mighty? Is it science that makes him mighty? Superior weaponry? The fact that he's from Beetlejuice? His sweet boots? oh man no way buddy <laughs> what makes tharg mighty is tharg himself why because he is mighty ah oh, snap De- then he smoke bombs out and robot assistant editor aaln1 tries to understand what's hap- what that means but it overloads his thrill circuits <laughs> Dude,
1: you gotta... No, you can't just try and fathom The Mighty One.
0: It's true. Then the final page is this ultra-sweet picture of Tharg Maximus, which I'm like 95% positive will be the cover art for this episode. And, uh... uh
1: dude, that, that is the most ultimate picture I have ever seen of The Mighty One.
0: It's a super-duper Tharg picture. And, uh, that's it uh, for Thrills this week. Fox, oh, wait! No, it's not! Oh, no, Oh, shoot! Emergency oh, no. backup thrill, thrill five. The house of the future. Oh Jesus! <laughs> you thought you could escape, but you couldn't. <laughs> it's a big old future I, I was house, Fox. Really hoping no. <laughs> it looks like a set from Star Trek. Basically, it's got a lot of like geodesics and like uh, diamonds and cross pieces and stuff. <laughs> a lot of domes. Oh there's my God! Robo chefs, and there's a squid that you can have as a pet. There's several rooms just for showing various huge holograms, either as entertainment or as an educational tool. Um, it's, it, it seems pretty cool, I guess. The kitchen seems uh, v- very small, and the bedroom seems very huge and bare, just sort of as my interior decorating yes. seems.
1: And it looks like that man is trapped in egg yolk.
0: Definitely, yeah. I no, also <laughs> want
1: to know, like what lesson is this child learning by taking on three Roman centurions?
0: What, man? He's like, I bet they're like telling him about, like, uh, you know, we wore the, this kind of armor, it's Lorca Segmentum, or whatever. Yeah, and but then, he's
1: fighting three of them.
0: Yeah, well, you gotta learn in a cool way, dude. It's enter- it's edutainment.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh podcast over. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking edutain- edutainment. Edutainment. Alright. Um, what I've I've okay. seen
0: I've I've I, I've been to way less educational edutainment p things as a kid
1: I gotta say. Listen, the only edutainment I will even recognize is Sesame Street.
0: Or how about a, a big song about John Muir in the middle of Sam and Max hit the road.
1: I you know I've never played a Sam and Max game.
0: Sad. Okay, so. No. Oh. <laughs> now that's it for thrills, Fox. <laughs> What's your What was your most thrilling thing in this the 1980 sci-fi special?
1: Oh, bro. I mean, my thrill overload hit with
0: Colony Nine.
1: Yeah. It's fucking amazing oh it's so beautiful it's so gruesome it's so aliens it's everything that like when I think sci-fi horror what I want and I'm not saying that anything else in here was particularly bad like the judge story the judge dredge story was fine um I really did like the future shock but this one just got me in the art zone and in the murder zone and in like god just the picture of the dad as soon as I saw that I said I love this it yeah, I just love it.
0: Totally. So the what's story, your? Uh, oh, good. Yeah. No, please. Oh. Okay.
1: No, I just mean the the story is like fairly. It's over fairly quickly, so it's mm-hmm. kind of light. But uh, it's the visual storytelling that matters.
0: Totally. Yeah. So what is what what was least thrilling for you in this uh, sci-fi special, Fox?
1: I mean, I feel like this is just going to be the same for all of us, right? Because the Steel Claw sucks. <laughs> the Steel Claw is bad.
0: Hmm. Steel Claw is, like, it really, you know, just as a legacy comic, it really stands out from a whole special full of, full of newer stuff. I mean, even yeah. um, even Colony 9, which, of course, isn't, like, an actual returning thing or anything like that, still feels like it's a newer comic. Like, it's got fewer panels and has a script page and stuff like that. I feel like it's sort of uh, something that's that's newer for this.
1: Yeah, of course. It feels more commissioned than just, like, oh what have we got in the dump oh here's something that we can fill pages with <laughs> totally it's like i mean I, whatever people worked on this and that's great and they're awesome mm-hmm. um and i'm sorry but it's it's not good
0: yeah i mean i don't know it's how it goes
1: <laughs> so conrad what was the most thrilling portion this sci-fi special
0: oh man it's tough there's a bunch of interesting stuff in here i think for me top thrill is a holiday in hell the uh the robot swap the the robot swapping story Mm -hmm. um i just really liked it you know i love a good um you know i like yeah and like you know I, i give future shocks a hard time with the air horns and stuff like that but i i actually do really like them when they can just tell a really quick story that has a cool twist and, like, just kind of has an interesting storyline and stuff. This one was super dark, even for 2000 AD, of just sort of, like, I mean, it ends yeah. with the robot apocalypse and sort of cold-blooded murder and stuff. So I thought that was a really neat departure and a really good, like, you know, opening salvo from Alan Moore here.
1: I just would argue that it's an actual twist, and it's very rare to see that on a fucking future shock.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I said earlier, yeah, it's a twist and not a punchline, which is a very yeah. uh, important distinction. I think so, too. And then just, I think and then yeah, for my bottom about. thrill, dude, House of the Future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's whatever. I just the, the fact that it's just kind of this lame thing, but that so many people asked for it, like there's multiple letters in um in our in our progs asking about the house of, of the future and stuff. Hi. Um and then I just what ended up being being like seven pages. It's literally like seven or ten pages of just sort of like bland interior design things and stuff. Like it's the not chef even was like the a
1: previous part, the chef table. Yeah, that was. It's,
0: it's not even like a story about the house of, of the future or anything like that. You know, so
1: it's not even. Like you could tell they spent all of not a lot of time on this.
0: Yeah, so you know, I mean, it's a little bit of a cop out to say, um to, to, to no, call it's it not. that. it's um, Sci-fi special, we had to read it. Yeah, hey, I called it a thrill and a thing. And um yeah. like and I thought and and I thought the steel claw was kinda of fun, honestly. Um I wouldn't like watch it all the time, but it was like, you know, I, I enjoyed it as sort of one of these legacy, um, older thrills. That uh, is just sort of here to, you know, take up some pages and be ridiculous. And I did kind of like the, uh, the the craziness of having, like, f- exactly five weaponry weapons and you can turn in- invisible and you can shoot electricity at people from your dumb claw, basically. <laughs> I mean, yeah,
1: inventing powers is kind of funny, I guess.
0: Yeah, it was fine. I thought it was fine. Um, anyhow... I hope everybody enjoyed the show. You can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site at Kratoline.com. Feel free to contact us at SpaceSpinner2000 at gmail.com or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at SpaceSpinner2K. For everything else, just look up Space Spinner 2000 and we should be there. And, you know, we'd love to get your Facebook likes, your Instagram follows, you know... Uh, as your Twitter follows too, just whatever, man. Like interact with us. I'm there. It's very cool. I'll talk to you. We'll, we, we can make 2000 ad jokes or whatever. Uh, I can I can speak
1: to this. Conrad's uh, he's a nice guy, man. I like I'm, him.
0: What I have my moments. Anyhow, uh, tune in next week as Judge Dread fights in Future War and we meet the Jigsaw Man. The, the Day of the Droids goes on strike. Wolfie Smith gets even more morally questionable. The Geeks give humanity a taste of their own medicine. And the Stainless Steel Rat goes even further into the past. Whoa. All right. Yeah. Until next time, I'm Conrad. He's Fox. And we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendid, Splendid birth rig. Dog birth
1: rig.